So we call this service a time to remember, and I've taken that as the theme of this talk, remember, remember. When I was a child, we used to say, remember, remember, the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot was the rhyme that went around. And when we used to go out collecting penny for the guy, now there's something that's disappeared, hasn't it? Making up an old guy, putting him in an old pram, and standing there begging for pennies. And we were, of course, all supposed to be remembering the terrorist plot to blow up Parliament. Um, I'll refrain from any cheap jokes about Parliament um, at this point. It was officially dissolved, I think, just after midnight. Actually, I have a lot of sympathy with the MPs. And in fact, I think many of them have acted with great integrity over this past difficult three years. But back to remembering. The act of remembering is a very important human activity. It's why we're here today. It's why millions will join in services of remembrance this coming Sunday. Our capacity as human beings to reflect, to bring back the past, is one of the many things that makes us very special creatures, if not unique. And of course, you know, not having memory in later years can be a very painful thing, not just for the person, but for those around them. And in this short address, I'd like to, to invite you to remember three things. Firstly, and most obviously, you come to remember those in your lives who you no longer see in the flesh. You only see them now through darkened glass, as St. Paul put it. Almost certainly, these are people who loved you, cared for you, stood by you, helped you, taught you in word and deed. You've got photographs of them and cards and letters and mementos to help keep alive those memories. For many of you today, that remembering can be done without pain and without that sense of emptiness. For others here today, the bereavement is much more painful. It's much more recent and the sense of loss is still painfully raw. There's still times, perhaps, when you expect to see them coming through the door or sitting in that favorite chair. And you perhaps still talk to them. But your presence here today is a sign of the bonds and love and protective care that you shared with them. And so today you remember them with thankfulness and gratitude you can remember and smile at their foibles. And even their not-such-good points appear more muted and indistinct, don't they, with the passage of time. So at the going down of the sun, as we are now, you're remembering them with thankfulness. And that's not a difficult thing for you to do. But secondly, and this is the preacher in me with a captive audience, it's good to remember that we are all dust. And there will be a time in years to come when others will maybe gather in this same building or other places to remember us and hopefully give thanks for us and forget those things that were difficult about us. Psalm 90 says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. But teach us to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. So on this day, 
we're a little more conscious of the fragility and the preciousness of our lives and the days left to us. But it is, it is true that we're dust, as both the scientist and the Bible tell us. It's also true that we are not just dust. Or if we are, we are gold dust. Right back in the beginning of creation, the writer of Genesis puts it like this. God took the dust of the earth and made a man in his own image. And then he breathed into him life. Dust we may be. But if you like, each one of us is gold dust. Shining with a little bit of the glory of God. Wordsworth wrote in that poem that some of you will learn at school that we come trailing clouds of glory. Do we come from God who is our Father? So we are dust. We each have a limited number of days. And each day of life reduces the number remaining. As I look around, I'm pretty sure that most people here have got fewer days ahead of them than they've seen. Um... Most of us are at least in the second half of the match. Some are in the final quarter. I hope nobody here is in the final over of the day. That could be difficult. A few years ago, I was in Poland for a wedding. Around this time, it was just it was All Souls Day. It was a big occasion in Poland and Catholic countries. Families go to the cemetery to clean up the gravestones, to polish them, to put fresh flowers, to dig out any weeds that have crept around and put new candles there. It's a real big occasion and my wife and I went along. And I was struck by the number of very shiny, black, large marble memorials there. Not at all like the ones in our churchyard outside. But what was more interesting to me was that many of them had a name on and a date of birth, but no date of death. People had already got their memorial stones bought, prepared, and in their plot. Um, the ground beneath the marble, though, was still not occupied, but they had booked it. And I thought that's not such a bad idea, you know, to kind of have that sense of that's where I'm going to be one day. That's not to say we should in any way be fixated on death, but to remind ourselves in the busyness of life that, yes, we are mortal and that each day is unique and precious and will never come again. The Romans used to say, carpe diem, seize the day, make the most of each day. Making the most of each day doesn't mean rushing around trying to get masses done or ticking off all the things on the bucket list, a parachute jump seeing the Grand Canyon or doing a marathon, it's as much about our attitude as about doing things. It's, doing, it's to do with resolving to be thankful and grateful for each day, to be generous and well-disposed to those around us. It's about looking at other people as equally children of God and gold dust themselves, even when they're a source of irritation to us. It's about filling our lives with the best that there is in this life rather than some of the rather tawdry stuff that we can see in our world. Perhaps above all, making the most of the time means that we don't allow room in our lives for the negative, for feelings of resentment or anger or guilt which we won't let go of. 
And if there's a broken relationship in our lives, then it means, in as far as it lies within us, to mend it, to try to mend it, to take the initiative. Uh, early this year, I went to a funeral on Thanksgiving of a friend, and during the service, someone read this poem. It's not very religious, but its sentiments would find an echo in what I've said and in the book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. It's called Dust If You Must. Anybody heard it? Well, well. Dust if you must. But wouldn't it be better to paint a picture or write a letter, bake a cake or plant a seed, ponder the difference between want and need? Dust if you must. But there's not much time with rivers to swim and mountains to climb, music to hear and books to read, friends to cherish and life to lead. Dust if you must, but the world's out there with the sun in your eyes and the wind in your hair, a flutter of snow, a shower of rain. This day will not come round again. Dust if you must, but bear in mind, old age will come. And it's not kind. And when you go, as go you must, you yourself will make more dust. Each day we can choose to be thankful or complaining, praying or not praying, ignoring others or noticing others, wasting time or making the most of time. St. Paul wrote to one group of Christians, So then, let's not grow weary in well-doing. But as we have an opportunity, let's do good to everyone we come across. And the third, remember. We, we heard the disciples in that second reading. We can remember the words and the person of Jesus Christ. There they are, standing at the tomb in their grief and confusion. Just as today, many a person around the world will be doing so at countless funerals. And then... These disciples, these women, first of all, hear the words which for Christians mark the turning point of history and which above all else gives hope for the world, this world and that which is to come. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said he would. But they had either not understood or simply believe it. And there's plenty of us who've been in that position. And even when the women go back with their extraordinary news, the sensible men disciples think it's all nonsense. Fortunately, it wasn't too long before they saw the truth of it for themselves, and then years later, many of them were prepared to die for that truth. St. Paul said that if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then our faith is in vain. To some extent, this service is in vain, because we are just dust. But if he has been raised from the dead, it is a vindication of all that he said and did and means that he is one whom we can confidently follow all the days of our lives and put our trust in. And it means we're not fooling ourselves when we resolve to remember our creator and redeemer in our lives each day. And when in return we say, however feebly, Lord, remember me. We know that he will indeed remember each one of us and will welcome us into his kingdom, into that glorious feast that we heard in our first reading, the one where death is swallowed up, 
and where there will be such a rich banquet. Or as Sir Walter Raleigh put it in a poem that you can find at the back of these service sheets there. When we've wandered all our ways and time shuts up the story of our days, yet from this earth, this grave, this dust, my God shall raise me up, I trust. So we remember with thanks those we love. We remember that each day is precious and we remember the faith uh, that we share. We remember our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he said and did, especially his resurrection, which gives us such great hope. Amen.